Hi, everybody. This is Stephanie Rupert. Thank you for tuning in to the Meaning of Everything podcast, where we're revolutionizing the way that we think about what it means to be human. Today is episode number 19, and I'm bringing on James Hill Jr., a scholar of religion and holographic images in uh, Black performing artists at Northwestern University. So I actually just finished talking with James. I decided to record this introduction after he and I had spoken. And I'm so glad that I did. And I'm so excited about the conversation that we had. I first encountered James when he was giving a talk on Colin Kaepernick and the NFL protests and how those how religious themes were laced throughout the dialogue and what we could learn about us as a species and American culture and all that stuff. And he was a brilliant speaker. And today we talk a little bit about that, but we also spend a lot of time talking about his work on the, what he calls the resurrection um, or the parousia of Black performing artists by holographic images, which is apparently something that uh, that happens. I, I didn't I didn't even know that we could make holographic images of performing artists. That's how little I pay attention to performing artists. But there you have it. That is a thing that happens. I want to kick today off by simply saying, I'm just I'm just so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here. I recently upgraded a number of things. I had to uh, purchase a new computer to fix the sound issues. And so now, hopefully, I sound a little bit more comfortable for people who listen on podcasts. And I'm very, very happy that I was able to do that. It was not necessarily easy. And I have Uh, new lights and stuff for uh, people who watch at home. So all great things, upgrading. And hopefully then I have uh, production. I have production that even more matches the quality of the people, the guests that I have on. And the coming months, I'm really excited. I have a lineup of some really, really brilliant speakers, uh, people who have really interesting ideas and who talk about them beautifully. So do stay tuned. I want to stop talking now because my conversation with James is so excellent. And thank you. That's all. We're going to jump right over. As ever, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, at Stephanie Ruper. Uh, you can email me at tmoeverything at gmail.com. If you want to drop a review for the podcast, I'd be super grateful. If you can't, I will absolutely understand. That's all for me. And here we are jumping in with James. Hi, James. Uh, Hello. Hi. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I hear it's a little um, chilly on your side of the... Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. You know, you know, what's, what's, what's the negative 25 or negative 50 degrees, you know? It's, that's crazy. Although by the time this comes out, it'll be a little bit later. So hopefully, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully the polar vortex would have done its, you know, it done its service. That's yes, a mere memory. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Cold memory, but a memory nonetheless, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. And you're at you're in Chicago, right? You're at Northwestern. Yes, yes, yes. Evanston, right outside Chicago, but yeah, at Northwestern for sure. Cool. And you are. 
are you a postdoc? I actually don't know. No, no, no. I'm a doc, third year doctoral student uh, in the religion in the religious studies department at Northwestern. How's that going? Yeah, it's going going great, going great. So uh, I'm I'm in comp in comp season, so doing comprehensive exams, like uh, gearing up towards the good old prospectus. So uh, yeah, I mean I know I have no original complaints. We'll say that <laughs> no no complaints that we can't hear from you know a litany of other grad students. But no, oh. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, you know we don't have that here in England. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. Yeah, it's the sweet life. The sweet, sweet, yeah, sweet, easy life. Yeah, <laughs> we can talk about how easy it is. I'm, I'm interested in how easy. Yeah, that, that, I know you have some things you could you could share about that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, generally speaking, you, yeah. you know, here you have to be a little bit more self-directed. I think mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. can be stressful, but also you there's there's actually there's just less that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so I definitely have appreciated my experience here. I'll just yeah, 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 yeah. I dig that. I dig that. Yeah. Um, very cool. So can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing and why, you know, why, why, yeah. is what is it, you know, why, why do you love it? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great question. What am I doing? That's the question you ask, you know, depending on what day you ask the grad student, you'll get a you get a very special and distinct and interesting answer. So for me, let's do what's today. Today's Tuesday. So what am I <laughs> what am I just here right now? It's Tuesday. What am I doing today? No, um, the work that the work that I'm doing, uh, I'm looking particularly at um, the relationship between uh, the holographic, uh, the way I look, the way I coined it, the digital parousias, the holographic resurrections of dead black entertainers. Uh, I'm looking at, I'm just looking, I'm looking at that through particular case studies. I'm looking at uh, the holographic recreation of Michael Jackson at the Billboard uh, 2014 Music Awards. I'm looking at the, hologra the holographic uh, resurrection of Tupac Shakur at the 2012 um, uh, uh, Coachella Music and Arts Festival in California. I'm looking at uh, the controversy surrounding surrounding the alleged and purported Prince hologram at last year's Super Bowl here uh, in the U in the U.S. and Minnesota. I'm also looking at the uh, the holographic performance of Billie Holiday and the attempted holographic performance at uh, of uh, Whitney Houston. So broadly, I'm interested in how there's a conversation going on. There's there's been a conversation happening about like what's really happening when you know corporate companies and you know through the art through the through technology are claiming sole rights and going to court you know, arguing over who has the rights in a very literal sense to bring back dead entertainers to perform anew for audiences. And so there's lots of questions about what's going on with that. Um, questions about, you know, first of all, how, how, are, how are these companies articulating that? Some are just saying that, you know, it's not, it's not real, you know, but we're going to market it as real. Uh, we're going to market it as live, never before seen performances. We're going to, you know, place these, um, spec these presences on stage, have them do what they're doing. And, you know, we're gonna now we're thinking about putting them on tour, you know, as the is the the talk. And there there there's there's rumors about a purported Amy Ryan Amy Winehouse tour with a live band, right? And so I'm interested broadly um, on several things why these these recreations are not called presences, 
why they're not called apparitions, why you know, we don't use the language of haunting, the language of magic or enchantment, right? And how is that connected to broader conversations about a disenchanted modernity, right? But I'm also thinking more acutely on what does it mean for black entertainers um, to be resurrected, right, from the dead, right? Particularly when if we're talking about Jackson or Tupac, or Billie Holiday, or Prince. These are artists who were controversial while they inhabited, when and while they inhabited the flesh. We're talking about artists who were censored, artists who we're talking about, definitely talking about later in the 20th century, taken off of the airwaves. Uh, we have whole congress, congressional, uh, you know, you know, meetings in the U.S. about, you know, should these people be allowed to perform and should our children have to hear them? Uh, I mean, let's listen to them, particularly if we're talking about Prince, right? We're talking about Michael Jackson, we're talking about videos that were banned and taken off of television, Tupac Shakur, you have, you know, camp, presidential campaigns addressing, you know, the thuggerism of Tupac Shakur. So what does it mean that now when they're dead, you can bring these artists back and now you have them performing in manners and ways that are amenable to, you know, broad white audiences. So, you know, there's a conversation I want to have about surveillance, about confinement, and about really what is it what is it about these, you know, digital parousias that, you know, can be can be talked about and circulated uh, internationally, but, you know, oftentimes it's not seen as a real conversation of and for religious thought. So I'm interested in talking about those things. I have rarely taken so many notes while somebody was speaking before. I, yeah. There was so much interesting stuff in there. First, I had no idea that these holographic images were even being used for performances. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know that was a thing, and yeah, I, I that was a thing for sure. <laughs> for sure, that's that's amazing. Um, that's fascinating, and I think you're right. There are so many questions, and they're wrapped up in terms of uh, capitalism and religion and ownership mm -hmm. of bodies. And the uh, perhaps we can start with your language of resurrection. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why Why do you choose yeah. the word resurrection? Right. Why the yeah. religious lens here? Yeah, yeah, because that's the word that the companies and, and news uh, media outlets are not using, right? So the word, the word, the word, even more than resurrection of the language I'm, I deploy in my research is parousia, right? Coming from you know uh, the Greek term that's that has a heavy utilization in Christian theology. Parousia literally mean it means you know arrival, it means you know presence, uh, it means visitation, but it takes a particular uh, texture in Christian theology to mean the the ultimate return of Jesus Christ, the glorious return of Jesus Christ in history, right? And so mm -hmm. I begin to think about broadly, you know, Perusia, because these 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 black entertainers are, you know, marketed as returning. So, you know, Tupac returned back uh, to the, on the uh, you know, to us on Coachella. Michael Jackson returned back, you know, at the Billboard Awards. Prince was making a return back to us at the, uh, at the Super Bowl. So there, there's this language of visitation. There's this language of appearance, right? But I think that, you know, as you pointed out, the, res the, the resurrection language is that it's, 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 it's seen as a feat, Right. I mean, if it's just that, you know, this is CGI, you know, technology, we have a, you know, a piece of paper, you know, in front of a lens and it's not, you know, it's fake, you know, it's 2D, you know, 3D, whatever. Um, no one's really given dollars to go see something that is just, you know, a piece of paper in front of a screen. Right. No one's no one's paying, you know, or rearranging bills to see essentially what's, you know, the actual technique is not a hologram. It's called Pepper's Ghost. 
So no one's, you know, rearranging bills to see, you know, a pe- Pepper's Ghost and Illusionary Technique that looks kind of like Michael Jackson, but we all know it's not. Like, they're not marketing as that. They're marketing it as Michael Jackson. They're marketing it as, you know, Whitney Houston. And so it is, a, it's the, the language of resurrection adds a particular texture because the, as I want to argue, what's being said is we're bringing them back, right? Right, they want these who were thought to be dead, right, right, and we mourned their passing, Right, we have now brought them back, and right, and it's a glorious, blessed uh, reappearance. Right, right, and so it's a blessing to see Tupac, who was you know killed in a very violent manner, to see him saying, you know, quote, "What the fuck's up, Coachella?" Right, that's 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 a that's a feat of not just you know technological significance, but I would argue of religious and theological significance. But we're not having that religious and theological conversation. And I'm 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 curious as to why. Hmm. And do you look at how these images are received by the people who like buy tickets, right? For so sure. Are, do you see religious themes, not just in the promotion, but also in the reception of how people relate to them? No, for sure. No, 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 no. I think that's a great question. Um, you know, as of right now, and I think this is, you know, depending on when, you know, the dissertation is written, when it's released, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what, where this where this conversation will be in three years. Cause as of right now, because a lot of it is at, at this stage, legal battles, right? Over the soul rights. I think that's an interesting double term soul rights, right? Who has the soul rights to these, to these, you know, presences. Um, so we don't, right now we don't have like concerts and we don't have world tours or nationwide tours. You have residency, there's a residency of Billie Holiday, but we don't really have in mass these massive tours. And so, First, we know what we have are like these, these, that's why the language of Perusia is so important for me because you have these visitations, right? Tupac comes at Coachella. <gasps> we weren't expecting Pac, but Pac is here. Oh, glory, hallelujah, Pac is here. Michael Jackson's at the Billboard Awards. He was dead five years ago. Now he's here, then he's gone. You know, you know there, there's, a, there's an arrival and an ascension. They're here, then they're not here. But, but to your question about, you know, the reception, I think that's, that, that's a great question because when you see them, particularly, particularly if you look at the Michael Jackson uh, quote-unquote performance at the Billboard Awards, you have, um, you know, tears. You know, these people are, you know, folks are, you know, caught up to use the, to use the, and, and, and the theological tenor of the term, they're caught up. There's tears, there's, 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 they're just in awe, right? So it's not just like, oh yeah, we're watching an illusion here. No, they are the affect of the of the space the affect of the audience would give one the the idea that they're they're seeing their loved one once again right and so there's a whole lot happening here and meanwhile these companies are seeing the cash benefit of creating these spectral you know moments in, for for popular culture of course of course of course they are so is there like the what is different about seeing these holographic images as opposed to watching a video and as a follow-up question is this a technology that is going to become a part of our daily lives where we have holographs of people who we have personally lost yeah yeah no no great great question so the first i'm answer the first one first i think the distinction is that in the in watching the, the the videos then we're watching the artist um as they would have 
us see them, right? And so if you think about the artists and music like Tupac, right? He was, the, the videos of, of Pac are, are not, you know, Pac being controlled by, you know, the corporation or the record company. I mean, that's why I'm interested specifically in black entertainers. Black entertainers who instantiated a rupture in culture, right? Blackness as, you know, that which is excess, that which cannot be contained, that which cannot be, even though surveillance tactics are deployed, their surveillance tactics are never totally successful, right? You know, you can you can take Michael Jackson's videos off the airwaves because he's grabbing his crotch too long and he's dancing through burning crosses, he's breaking through windows, and you know, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna censor that video, but then he get but then but then he gets on tour and he's grabbing his crotch even more, right? And then but yet that video still exists. So in insofar as you watch that video, you're watching you're watching Michael Jackson as Michael Jackson, and you're watching these performances that aren't just um, you know, you know, you know, you know, uh, rupturing particular, you know, logics of respectability, but you would argue that these artists intentionally are seeking to unsettle, you know, you know, you know, the 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 the, the normativity, you know, whiteness as nomads. They're, they they know that they are in the gaze, right? And yet they're doing something performatively while in the gaze on their own terms, right? The hologram is not on their own terms. The hologram is the fact that, you know, if we're going to bring Michael Jackson back, we're going to bring him back on our terms. And so is Michael Jackson grabbing his crotch on the stage? If he is, how long is that hand staying on his genitals, right? Is it, you know, when, when Pac is in California at Coachella, is he bringing that audience, right, that nice audience that paid all that money to be entertained? Is he reminding them of the murder of Oscar Grant in Oakland and Pac is from the Bay Area? There's no mention of Oscar Grant on that stage. There's no mention, you know, you know of the murder of, of, of unarmed Black people in 2012 on that stage, right? So there's something about the management of the of the black haunting, right? If you go with the work of Avery Gordon, Avery Gordon, hauntings are meant to unsettle. Hauntings, hauntings happen on their own terms. You can't control the haunting. You can't subdue the haunting. So that so that it's an order. You know, you know, an orderly haunting is an oxymoron like jumbo shrimp, right? And so, what does it mean to say that you can bring back these black entertainers? But you know, there's no need to worry about censorship because now we can bring back Michael Jackson or Prince or you know Tupac or Billie Holiday, and white folks can pay their money, and, and wealthy folks can pay their money, and patrons general can pay their money, and not have to worry about you know if it's you know not you know compatible with our Christian logics or our cultural sensibilities. There's a lot going on there. So they they really do have the freedom to make these holographic images do what they want. Right. Tupac said, what's the fuck up? What's the fuck? Wait, what the, what? What yeah, the what fuck the, is up? Oh, yeah, what, right. yeah, it was something about, something about fucking Coachella. Like that's like, so, you know, they, 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 the CGI is able to do something, right? And so if CGI, if CGI technology can have Tupac saying, what the fuck's up Coachella, they could have had him say, you know, what happened to Oscar Grant? Exactly. They didn't have him say what, what, what happened to Oscar Grant. They had Tupac say, what the fuck's up, Coachella? And that was a decision that they put in the mouth of Tupac. Right. So in the legal debates, is this question of how they're censoring these artists factoring into the ownership to the sole rights? From the yeah, from the cases I've read, um, you know, not so much. I mean, I mean, when, you, when we're talking about these entertainers, you know, uh, they're, they're industries. And so much of the legal argument is about the monet, the monet, you know, the monetization of their image and likeness, right? And so that's one of the questions I want to raise. It's not just about you know who who's going to make the dollar and who has the right 
to, you know, make money off these images. What I'm saying is that there's, there's, there's another component about, you know, uh, many of these artists fought, you know, viscerally so for their music not to be, you know, at the tail end of a McDonald's commercial, right? <laughs> you know, and, but what does it mean that now is like, yeah, you know, you own the rights to all your masters, but like you didn't put a provision in your will or your contract that like, a company can, you know, raise you from the dead and have you perform at festivals in the summer, you know, you know, to their pleasure. Like that's not, you know, people aren't writing that in the contracts in 92 or 03 or whatever. So that's, so that's the legal question that, you know, we still have to explore. It's not just, you know, who has the right to bring them back, but under what conditions are they brought back? Are they brought back and what are they bringing back to do? Because if they're just bringing back, if they're just being brought back to make audiences feel good about themselves, then the question has to be like, is that, was that the primary, you know, focus and means and goal of their art, which is to make mainstream, particularly mainstream U.S. audiences feel good about themselves. Right. Because that's what the holograms do. Right. So is this question of censorship at the center of what might be said to be a difference between holographic images of black and white performing artists, right? It's yeah. sort of like a censorship of discussions about race or yeah. anything, right? Being disruptive to society. Yeah, no, 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 no. Great question. I think, I think that the, the question is, it, we, we find it in different, in different spaces, right? I mean, I mean, because I think, I think each artist will have their own set of questions. So there, there will be a set of questions, you know, if and when the Amy Winehouse, you know, you know, tour, um, you know, rolls around. I mean, there's people who study Amy and know Amy and know of her art to say that like, this, what we're seeing is, is this what Amy would have, you know, is this, is this compatible to the production, the cultural production that we have from Amy, right? So that's a particular question, but there's something about blackness, right? That, 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 you know, when you get into uh, what uh, political theorist Richard Iden referred to as the informal politics of black popular culture, popular culture is a space where black politics in a very particular way is meted out, right? Before we have, uh, according to, you know, Iden's argument, before you get to the civil rights movement, you know, and, and, the, and the, the, a particular iteration of the civil rights movement, right, in the 60s, uh, or, you know, Iden argues that black, that black popular culture was a site where black activity, political activity happened, black vo voice was given in the realm of popular culture, you know, resistance, you know, took place and was codified through music, through art, right? And so something happens when, you know, the civil rights movement and, and you know, um, uh, you know legislation, leg legislative measures are taken such that there's now a proper way to engage politically, right? Now, you know, we, we don't need the artists to, you know, uh, uh, you know, the politics doesn't happen at, you know, in, in the town hall or, you know, you know, Carnegie Hall or Madison Square Garden or, you know, on these vinyls or whatever. No, you, you know, you must, you know, vote Super Tuesday, you know, contact your local representative and, you, and you've heard these arguments now like okay that's nice that music is nice but you know we need to vote we need to do this we need to do that like there's a strict bifurcation now that there's a real side of politics where real change happened and there's this singing shit over here right but yet the beauty <laughs> and the power of black artists is that black artists have always presented like i said art uh, richard Iden's book in search of the black fantastic uh, uh 
lays this out wonderfully, that you don't see this strict bifurcation in black in, in black popular culture. That that's there. There's still you know where there's still an underrepresentation of black of of, of of the multiplicity of black voices in the you know in the spaces of the uh, so-called electoral you know um, electoral politics and formal politics, whether it's rap, whether it's rappers, whether it's singers, whether it's you know screenwriters, whether it's novelists, whether it's poets, you have a multiplicity of black expression that gives voice to you know the very the very you know the various concerns of you know of black communities of black social life writ large. And so when I'm when I when I when I'm speaking about you know the black artists, when I'm speaking about black entertainers, there's a when you choose to uh, uh, resurrect or you know bring black, black back these black artists, but it's on the conditions of the engineer. And now the engineer decides what the artist says. Then that engineer is also making a claim on black culture because that artist, that engineer is saying that this is an authentic Michael Jackson performance. The, the engineer is saying this is a real Tupac performance. And so now we're talking about cultural memory. And now we're talking about revising cultural memory because now if Tupac's performance and authentic Pac performances have nothing to do with indictments of the state, then now we're going back and, this, and these new holograms can then speak back to what, what they did in the flesh. So now we can read Pac through the hologram. So now you can read his own political activity. It's a way to rewrite history of sorts. So now Michael Jackson isn't dancing through burning crosses. He's not turning into Black Panthers. He's not talking about white hoods and devils and sheets. No, he's just pleasing people. So it's so it's so the, the, these these um, forms of technology, right? are also ways to, to make a claim on cultural memory, also making a claim on what constitutes black popular culture, what constitutes black popular music, what constitutes black popular performance that elides, right, the political foundations that really were the source and spirit of the artist's cultural production itself, right? That we don't get much of the explanations we have right now. Yeah, so is the, these artists are made palatable because that's, the best way to make money, right? Because you get mm. the most, the highest number of people to consume things, right? Mm. It, um, and is is it also in part because we so much want, you know, we so much want to avoid looking at, especially I think predominant white culture, so much want to mm. avoid looking at ugliness mm. in our systems, right? And so mm. we do tend to bifurcate Mm. Our entertainment from our politics, you know, like mm. that's a privilege to be able to bifurcate right. your entertainment from your politics. Right, right. You want you want an Ali that doesn't talk about Vietnam. You want a Kaepernick that doesn't kneel. You right. want a Michael yeah. Jackson that doesn't dance through burning crosses. You want a Tupac Shakur that doesn't flip the bird to the nation state. Right. You know, at first this was just you know the way that you know that you know uh, a way mainstream white American audience audiences prefer their black entertainers now it's not a matter of preference now there's a way to make that happen now you can conceivably bring back Ali and Ali will give a speech that talks about how great it is to be an American now if you if you can have Tupac say what the fuck's up Coachella you can have Mal, you can have Ali supporting the troops you know, you can have Tupac Shakur, you know, you can have a hologram of Tupac Shakur, you know, stomping for your Democratic or even conceptually even your Republican nominee, depending on who has the legal rights to Tupac Shakur's image and likeness. Now you can have, you know, you have a man who stood in visceral opposition to the formal, the formally political. Now who's to say now Pac won't be at a, at a governor's ball near you, right? Right. You know, you know, rapping, you know, two of America's most wanted or California love, 
while, you know, politicians are serving, you know, $10,000 plates to, you know, support their political campaigns. All that's possible, right? Mm-hmm. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly fascinating. So then can we, ret- can we just return a little bit to summarize for people who aren't familiar with the ideas to the ideas that you were mentioning about uh, black culture being one of excess or mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. able to be outside or uncontrollable mm-hmm. by the dominant mm-hmm. discourse? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, for sure. No, 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 no. Great point. I think that it's important when you're looking at blackness, right? As all these terms are just, you know, assumed like, yo, you know, black is African-American. It's, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a distinction. It's a racial marker. But, you know, you know, when you look at, you know, the various ways that blackness has been theorized, you know, the various ways throughout the history of colonial modernity uh, within the various histories, particularly of the U.S. nation state, blackness has been, uh, you know, not just a source of, you know, uh, derision and the signification of abjection been, but been, you know, through the FBI, you know, you know, the, you know, you know, something that, something that had to be constrained, something that had to be confined, something that had to be surveilled, right? I mean, if you check up through the Freedom of Information Act, look at how many black poets were under constant surveillance. Like, we're not talking about, you know, guerrillas. We're not talking about, you know, just, you know, militaristic revolutionaries in the traditional sense. We're talking about, you know, Paul Robeson. Right. You know, you know, you know, singers and, you know, poets and, you know, athletes, right, actors and actresses who were surveilled for what. Right. And you think about what, what is what is what is blackness such that, you know, a it's, it's the source of so much needed. So I'm thinking of Simone Brown's book, you know, Dark Matters. Right. Surveilling blackness, why blackness needs to constantly be confinable right? It needs to be constrained. It needs to be sequestered. It needs to be managed, right? And so the only legible blackness, the only permissible blackness, arguably, is the blackness that is what, you know, uh, compatible, right? Right? And the blackness that is willing to assimilate into the broader logics, right? You're American, right? American, right? You're a, you're a U.S. citizen before you're black. You're Christian before you're black, right? There's something about if blackness was not a problem of and forethought, why do everybody else, why does everybody need you to be something else before you're black, right? But even with all that being said and done, the surveillance is never totally successful. The confinement is never totally successful as much and insofar as you can censor Michael Jackson or, you know, James Brown or Nina Simone, there's always something that exceeds that. There's always something left on the stage. There's always as much as you want to say, we're going to squelch this, we're going to abolish this, we are going to exterminate everything. We're going to censor it. We're going to, you know, scrub them from our labels. We're going to censor their movies from our theaters. There's always something that like, God, it got, it got into my daughter's house. It got into my daughter's, my bedrooms, you know, going back to the fifties, right? You can't listen to Chuck Berry what's underneath, you know, those mattresses. Right, 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 right. So there's always, you know, there's always something underneath. There's always something that exceeds that which seeks to contain and constrain it, right? And so that's, for me, is the issue that's not being discussed, right, or not being discussed as much when we're talking about the legalities and the oughtness, right, of these, um, of these uh, 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 spectral presences, of these, of these hauntings, of these holograms, is that, you know, what do we do with excess? Is there a place of access? And if you have black culture production and black culture re- recreations that has no place for access, where, where is the black in that? Or the question is, are these holograms even thought to be black? Is that even a desire? Because the, they could very well be like, well, Tupac isn't black, 
You know, Tupac, Tupac isn't black, Tupac is American. Right, right, right. And so what does it mean for now these holograms to not even be promoted as black artists, right? Because that's, you know, that's not profitable. It's just so funny to think about Tupac as a nationalist, you know, Mm -hmm. American. That's such an odd thought. Yeah, it's uh, very fascinating to to try to rewrite history like that. I um, So I first encountered your work when you were giving a talk about Kaepernick and kneeling. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you used the phrase, uh, re-signification of the black mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's definitely, you, you mentioned athletes a couple of minutes ago, right? So there's definitely right. a parallel here where in entertainment roles, in athletic roles, right? This, there is like a proper place that, mm-hmm. to which blackness has been allocated in our broader culture. And it's, but as soon as you step outside of that, right, right. As, soon as you try to assert some kind of power or state an opinion that is relative, relevant to our political discourse, mm-hmm. like has done, right, then you're, right. you're censored, right? You're attempted right. censored. And uh, you also mentioned that this was, uh, Kaepernick was seen as like um, anti-religion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, can you sort of discuss how, or tell me a little bit more about how religion plays yeah. into this sort of allocation of the proper places of, of blackness in society. Yeah, no, 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 no. Great question. Well, what in that in that particular talk, what I what I brought up, or I think how I uh, started out the, the 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 presentation was mentioning how outside of uh, well, you know, in front of his locker after one game, he had to and he had to hold really a mock press conference and attend to the question of his purported Muslimness. Right. He had to stand in front of reporters and answer to their question of, are you a Muslim? And he had to sit up there after a, I wanted, I can't recall right now if it was after a game or after a practice. And he had to explain that, no, I'm not a Muslim. You know, I respect I respect Muslims. You know, like he had to give the whole I love Muslim. I've got a lot of Muslim friends. You know, if I was a Muslim, uh, there wouldn't be a problem with that. But no, I'm not a Muslim. And the question is, why does that become a question? Not just why did it become a question, why did it become a question that he had, that he had to refute publicly, right? That what was, what's connected to, you know, Muslimness and him taking a knee, that, that people saw a performative gesture taking place prior to, you know, him actually doing his job, and people saw that and said, oh, he's a Muslim, right? Like, 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 like that. That whole, he's a Muslim, right? Barack Obama, he's a Muslim, right? There's something about, you know, particularly the way it's it's attached on to blackness, right? That that for anything that's not compatible with the particular, you know, ideation of Americanness, right? It's it's very it's so often as you know, you know, you know, attached to the person that, you know, ask him if they're a Muslim. Think he's a Muslim, right? And so, when talking about religion and Kaepernick, you know, some folks want to talk about kneeling. I mean, um, in, in ways where there are there's obvious resonances. Kneeling is a pious gesture. We see kneeling and you know Christian, you know, demonstrations. King kneel, right? But I think that that's that's a very clean connection, right? I'm 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 more personally fascinated and compelled by the messier connections, right? Like, what if it's not even about just like, you know, linear, you know, you know, or like easily mappable theism, right? What if it's the actual resignification, right, of his own person? The fact that at that football site, right, is a place where he, as a black person, right, right, who possesses a signified black body is surveilled, 
is confined on that line, right? Literally, there is a line that, uh, that his cleats, you know, are on and he must stand a certain way. His owners, literally the languages of the language of ownership, his owners literally demand that he stands a certain way and he chose to take ownership of his own body and kneel before he started work and he's unemployed because he took a knee before a song and he'll never, he'll, you know, you know, hopefully things will turn, but as it looks, he very well may never throw football, right, 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 on a Sunday, you know, under the, uh, you know, under, you know, the employment of the, of the uh, National Football League again, because of what he chose to do with his, with his own body in front of 70,000 people on television, mm-hmm. right? Like, all one register, when you name it like that, that's insane. He chose to take ownership over his own body for 20 seconds or for a minute and he's unemployed. He has to find a new mode, right, 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 of, uh, of engagement, right, right. I mean, he's been doing the same things he's been doing the whole time, but like if his way of earning a living was throwing a football as an NFL quarterback, the, the, the sheer fact of him taking control of his own body, body means that he has to find a new mode of, you know, of earning income, right? And so for me, I'm interested in that and where is the religion in that? It's not just like, well, where's the Christianity? The kneeling, no, 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 like, no, 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 no. Like the act, the very fact that there was a demand made on his body. There was the, the, the surveillance of his body and he took, oh, not only he took ownership over it, over it, over his own black person, right, right, right. But he inspired other black athletes to do the same. He inspired cheerleaders to do the same. He inspired peewee football players to do the same. He inspired white women soccer players to do the same. Oh, he can never work again. He can never work again. And that decision-making, I want to say, has resonances, deep resonances within religious thought because there's something that he obstructed. There's something that that he did that was deemed heretical that now he must be anathematized. He must be, he must be, the space must be cleansed from the mint, from the, from the, from the uh, uh, sheer mention of his name. Right, right, right. He must be, the space must be cleansed from all traces of Colin Kaepernick what's going on there. It's not just a business decision. It's far deeper than that, right? And I think we have, as scholars of religion, we have an analytic to answer things that, you know, sports analysts kind of fumble and stutter over. I know that this is also, I know that this is a loaded question, but talk briefly about uh, the idea of this kind of protest being un-American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I like that. I like because you know what 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 happens oftentimes is like no, let's prove how American it really is, right? You know, it is American because that's he's you know that's what the that's what you know the Constitution supports, and that's why the troops you know go out there and the troops fought for Colin Kaepernick to do that. So let's you know let's subsume this under American logic. It's like no, like what if it is un-American? Hmm. Like, you're like, what, what, if, what, if, what if it is? Like, oh, you know, Colin Kaepernick wasn't, you know, uh, 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 protesting the troops. He was protesting, you know, anti-black violence of police, the anti-black order of policing. But what if, you know, the detracts of Kaepernick are onto something? What if they see the fact that to, you know, protest the anti-black order of policing in the United States is also to what? See how the anti-black order of policing is connected to the broader project of empire, the broader, the broader project of militarism in the world, 
And so what if what of their critiques of Kaepernick is true to, to take a knee during the anthem is not to just point a light on policing, which which some of Ka- Kaepernick's supporters want to say, no, he's only taking a knee to point a light on this one thing. No, 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 no. He's taking a knee during the national anthem, which means that he's rupturing and unsettling the mythos of the nation state. Right, right, and causing the nation state to not account for its violence against black, uh, you know, black communities via, you know, you know, you know, you know, excessive policing. Right, it could be a redundant concept. Right, you know, again, you know, you know, you know, you know, it's not just that. If if he's bringing into question the utilization of violence against persons of color, right, 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 and the the unatoned blood of persons of color that are shed. Right. By state sanctioned agents. Right. Then, you know, in a very real way, what if the un-Americanness of his protests are the conditions of possibility for anything happening? Right. That can, you know, bring justice to these communities. And so in a very way, in a very real way, the need for his protest to be deemed American. Right. could be antithetical to the whole gesture itself. Possibly. (laughs) Possibly. It's very deep. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate that a lot. So we talked a little bit. Can we, um, about the idea of the white gaze? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, what is this and how does it sort of factor into what's going on here with, with Kaepernick and also with the holographic images, right? Yeah, no, no. Great question. I mean, we, we find this throughout, you know, black 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 thought right regarding you you find this in the work of Du Bois we find this in you know visuality studies right so in, in many ways you know the in the term we have you know the answer right it's you know it's not just you know white folk looking but you know there there is a there is a demanded comportment right and response to the fact that you are always under surveillance right um you 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 can you can look at you know the examples we've given um but i think that examples we've given of kaepernick and the holograms are connected to the quotidian everyday terror of being under the white gaze you know my my father tells a story of his uh going out one day with his grand his grandfather made my great-grandfather when my father was a boy they're walking uh, on a on a street in downtown Temple, Texas, where my family is from, and a white boy comes up, is walking, is meeting them head on, and the white boy tells my great grandfather, "Boy, what are you looking at? Get the fuck off the side of the street. I mean, get the fuck off the sideway, side sidewalk." And my and my and my father, you know, he only knows his great grandfather to be a man, to be a, to be the man that like he. My great grandfather built their home with his hands like he he was a you know you know whatever your construction of black manhood is like to my father like his pawpaw was the manliest of men and he he watched his pawpaw say yes sir and get off the sidewalk and my father you know recalls looking up at his you know you know his grandfather um and asked like you know Paul, Paul, like, why did you let that white boy talk to you that way? And there wasn't a response verbally. There was a look like, don't you dare question what just happened, right? Mm-hmm. That's the white gaze, right? Right. It's the fact that whether it's a seven-year-old white boy or a 70-year-old white man, when you see whiteness, when you see white folks, you already know how to respond, whether it's, in, whether it's on a sidewalk, whether it's in a lecture hall, Right, right, right. When when there's white when there's white bodies assembled in a space, nothing has to be said. 
when white folks are in a space, you know, in your in, in a in a subcutaneous way, you know, in your bones what's demanded of you when you're around, you know, those who claim possession of the earth, right? Um, and so and so we we see this articulated and you know resisted, or you know we see accommodations all throughout Black history, uh, and it just I mean just you know Black traditions, you know you know I'm more inclined to say in this in, in the country in, in the U.S. and what I'm interested in Black popular culture the ways in which um, particular Black artists refuse to, you know, wear the mask that Paul Lawrence Dunbar wrote about, the mask that grins and bears, right? That's why I, that's why I study Nina Simone. That's why I study, you know, uh, Billie Holiday, you know, you know, when she got when she got out, when she got up there and sang Strange Fruit, right? And the way she, she didn't write the song, but the way she sung that song, right? Right, the way Nina, Nina Simone said, Mississippi got down, right? You know, you know, and that then saying that's it, right, right. Not and she she was singing to white folks in the audience, right. Um, you know, what does it mean not just to know that there is a gaze, but I'm interested into in those particular artists who, you know, through their production and through the sheer fact of their emanation on the earth, said, you know, fuck the gaze, and we'll see what happens after that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Oftentimes it's not good. You know, Simone lost her career. And you know, was 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 dancing. I mean, excuse me, was was performing, singing, and you know, CD, you know, clubs, you know, in Europe. You know, um, we see what happened to Tupac Shakur. You know, before you know, we can say personal things in his life, but you know, we see the fact that you know, did he have peace from the nation state? Right. You can see, you know, you know, you know, Prince and Prince seek desire to name himself for himself. Marvin, like any black artist who's who, any black athlete, any black artist who said that the myth of this country and the stories this, this country tells of itself, A, is not true, and what this country demands of me when this country looks at me, I'm not willing to give, what happens to their career? Mm. If, they're, if they're lying and they're just, you know, just exaggerating, what happens anytime you know, a black person tells the country, you know, what this country demands, you know, lets this country know what this country demands of it and said, I'm not willing to give that on your terms. What happens to their career? What happens to their radio spins? What happens to their movie opportunities? What happens to their, you know, Pro Bowl aspirations? Where are they at on Sunday mornings? Not playing football. No. No, they're not. Um, right. So this is making me think again about the religious significance of the holographic images. Mm. Because they're you mentioned that sometimes people will like cry, right? There is a resurrection. This figure has returned to them. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering if a, a part of what is so powerful about these images to people is often precisely what's being stripped of the images, right? Mm-hmm. Like if what is so pow- what is so powerful is that they were standing outside of what was demanded of them, right? And they mm-hmm. were choosing to disrupt whatever Mm. you know they were choosing to be disruptive and i think this is this has the power to be deeply emotionally significant Mm. but then this is actually this religious quality of being deeply emotionally significant is actually what's being stripped of them when we Mm -hmm. you know in the popular game Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's a lot no no you're spot on there's a lot that's happening in that moment so the question right this is you know the question, you know, of, you know, philosophy and other, in other areas is that like, what, what is, what is conjuring the emotion in that moment, right? What's inciting the emotion? Is it, is it the actual performance 
or is it the memory that the performance is, like you said, is obstructing, right? Because the, if you just see it on its face, you're like, oh, they're crying because their performance is so awesome. Or are they crying because of what that performance is insufficiently seeking to signify? Or, 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 or is there a way that the performance itself even isn't, isn't seeking to signify that, but the moment you bring Tupac on stage, Tupac, is going the memory of Tupac takes over the space of so now like I said so what happens when the when the hologram is seeking to participate in this revised not even participate but is, de, is desiring to you know be the architect of cultural revision the revision of cultural memory but because of this thing of excess right and because folks remember Pac and folks can hear Pac and folks remember what Michael Jackson, you know, meant to them performatively. And people remember how Prince made, you know, them feel when Prince played that guitar on his own terms. That when they see these images, really the CGI is doing what the CGI is doing, but they're, they're you know, recalling the performance on its own. Because also, it's also important that these people were alive to see the actual performances in the flesh, right? Which is then is interesting when we look at what happens in the future as generations, you know, transition on when all you may have are the holograms and then, you know, the actual cultural productions, but who will be here to actually, you know, articulate the dialectical tension between, you know, culture production and these corporations, you know, resurrecting them for their own means and ends. Right, so, although yeah. as said, people like these, um, these figures and these aspects of the culture, are uncontainable, right? And they yeah. do find their they do find their way, you know, they do yeah. find their way into our homes. And so um yeah, I I hope that the uh machine, right, the yeah. placating Brave New World machine mm. doesn't, you know, doesn't manage to I don't think it will. Yeah, well, that, I I love your optimism. They they've done a great work. They've done a great work with Martin King. Martin King has sold Ford commercial. He sold Ford pickup trucks. He's helped Florida State serious? recruit. Yeah, like look up Martin King. All all the all the ways Martin King is used. Like how many people are are are, are quoting Martin King and you know Martin Martin King about housing and Martin King you know in Chicago or Martin King's you know talk about militarism or critiques of capitalism and why you know you know you know someone decided to shoot him on a balcony right? It's because he loved white folks right? Like that's why they shot him on the balcony. And so you see that you know without even needing CGI, without CGI. They've been pretty successful in recreating and, you know, yeah. reconceptualizing, re you know, what cultural figures mean and what, what was the meaning of their message. And so now without even needing to, you know, uh, reinterpret the text of King and trying to obscure a certain text. Now, you know, forget, forget, you know, re you know, you know, resituating the text and obscuring the text. Now we just bring back Martin and have him say whatever, whatever we want him to say. Right. And so that's, that's where, you know, the, the, uh, the reservation, you know, comes in is the fact that what 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 we're seeing the first fruits of. I'm arguing the first fruits of over here. We're on these holograms. We've seen in other, and not only have we seen in other iterations, but to now, now there is such a cultural claim, a white cultural claim, a white liberal claim on Martin King to actually talk about King's, you know. King's not just critiques of you know Vietnam because everybody like, oh King critique Vietnam no no King critique the product of empire and the and the moral claims right that empire made like he did not think empire as a concept was efficacious on the world stage mm. that's foundational to Martin King 
that is nowhere, even in this, even in the radical Dean King discourses, the way he foregrounded empire in Vietnam is not just this, you know, appendage of King or, you know, this kind of, you know, outlier to King, but Vietnam, his critique of Vietnam was constitutive to what, to what he was increasingly becoming, uh, what, to what he was increasingly uh, becoming more, more known for, which was his critique of the U.S. as an empire and, and the unrighteousness of its constitution as an empire, that the only way the U.S. can be deemed righteous is to relinquish its power on the world stage. Yeah, I was actually thinking about King while you were talking about the remaking of images, because Martin Luther King Day was just, what, last week, you mm -hmm. know, and, and you see all of the posting of the memes on the Facebook, and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I, I think my hope comes from the recreation, you know, the constant mm -hmm. drawing of attention of new figures and Kaepernick and the leaders of, you know, all the various movements that are going on today. Yeah. So, uh, as heartbreaking and mm -hmm. I think politically regressive, you know, the, the mm -hmm. whitewashing of King is there, the, the, we will hopefully continue, you know, continue to come out of the, people will continue to come out of the cracks. Yeah, WEB. And uh, scholars like you will continue to remind us <laughs> that we're Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that my, one of my favorite quotes comes from Du Bois. I have a hope that while not hopeful is not hopeless. It's not hopeless. A hope, I have a hope that while not hopeless, right? I, no, I have a hope that while not hopeful will not allow itself to be found hopeless. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, also one of my also one of my favorites. Uh, okay, so we're like, we're on time. If there's anything yeah. that you would like to share uh, before we go, any any last words, I would be more than happy to hear them. Um, yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not really much on, I'm not really much of a last words guy. I'm really, much, I'm excited for the next word. So yeah, until the next word. Until the next it's, it's word. Been it's been an honor. It's been a privilege. I appreciate the time. Been a great conversation. I don't have a, I have a lot of conversations, not too many great ones. And so, well, well, not professionally. I say that because then I got a lot of friends and family who may take issue with that. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's refreshing to have, you know, uh, great questions asked and meaningful questions asked. You know, you get, you get the, you know, what are you doing? That's fascinating. You know, you know, it kind of stops, stops after that. But I appreciate, uh, you know, the, the ground we were able to cover. So, yeah, looking forward to the next word. Yeah, there is always more ground. So, For sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you very, very much. I will provide links to the kinds of uh, artists that you mentioned and scholars that you mentioned. Um, yeah, yeah. If you're interested in reading more. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for everybody else. I will, of course, uh, just be back in a in a few more days, and we'll go over uh, some some related concepts. So, thank you, James. Yeah. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you.